I'm so glad you're here. Let's step in. Welcome back, friends. I'm so excited today to introduce you to a new and fast friend who I have just met within this last year doing a program together with her. I have Miss Jennifer Sullivan here today with me. Jennifer, welcome. Thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks, Kara. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. It's always flattering when people say, you've got something interesting about your story and I want to hear more. So I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Easy. (laughs) Easy. Um, Jennifer is a pretty fascinating lady. And currently, she's an entrepreneur in, well, I'm going to say two different pathways, but I know the life of an entrepreneur. So there are usually multiple additional pathways (laughs) brewing. (laughs) But she's definitely the owner of J. Sullivan Advisors. And I want you to tell us a little bit about that. I know that's going to be part of your your story anyway, because she worked for the Ritz-Carlton for many, 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 many years. And that hospitality industry was just, you know, so much a part of her. And as she came into our entrepreneurship, she decided to establish her own boutique offering of hospitality. Um, And then she's also, and this is really how I met her, the co-founder of Encore Retreats, which is a really beautiful, do I call it an organization, company? What uh, what do I call this? Community. We're we're building a community. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It is. And I'm going to let her, you know, tell us about these things, you know, now, later, whenever you want to. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Encore Retreats? And, and sure. Yeah. I want to hear. It's funny because it, it is a direct um, byproduct of my story, which you'll hear about. I have the pleasure of co-owning Encore Retreats with a woman that I met uh, when we lived abroad. Um, she and I returned to the U.S. at the same time. and kept in touch as we did with several other expats. Um, And when she had this business idea, she wanted to work with me and I was very flattered. Our backgrounds are very different, but complimentary. So we put together this beautiful retreat company. Um, We started out with just focusing on retreats, experiential retreats where we take women away um, to give them the space and the time that they don't take on their own to really think about what's next for them. Um, But there were so many women and men who wanted this content that we were delivering, but didn't have the time or the money to go away for four days. So we've started a lot of live offerings um, via Zoom and complimentary um, because we think that the community that we're building here is really important and we're really passionate about sharing it with other people. That's awesome. We're just a bunch of people curious about learning more, curious about our role in doing good in this this world. Um, you know, lifelong learners, um, women finding their voice. It's all all the good things. So yeah, I love it, and I've definitely listened in on some of those Zoom calls, and they're very high quality. So I totally encourage people to check it out. All your stuff will be in the show notes, of course. But today we're really going to focus on um, just a piece of Jennifer's story. We all have so many facets to our journeys, but Jennifer kind of went through this um, 
I think it's like a collision where you were realizing lifelong dream and making Mm -hmm. a dream happen. And then the unexpected circumstances of life kind of collided literally at the same time. And through that, she really learned what's important to her and how to slow down. And I'm just so excited to step into this with you. So I'm just going to hand it over to you and take it away. Yeah, thanks. Well, of course, jump in and ask questions or help me color the story, if you will. Yes. Um, You know, every good story starts with something like this. It all began on a girl's trip. And that's true. (laughs) That's so true. I have five dear girlfriends that I've known um, for over 20 years. And we get together once a year. Um, Back in 2015, we're getting together in Costa Rica, where one of them lived. And while we were there, I was just looking at this beautiful place and realizing how it was really good for my soul. The people were all so kind. Everyone was so relaxed. And um, I started asking her a ton of questions about, well, how do your kids like it? How are the schools? All that logistic stuff. And I called my husband. I said, I want to stay an extra day. He's like, okay. And then um, I got home and I said, I think we should move to Costa Rica. And he said, maybe. And that was the opening I needed. He didn't shut it down. He said, maybe. So that was in 2015. Um, we went, came back and visited as a couple and then brought the kids back and everyone agreed that this was really a good move for our family. So many people talk about living abroad um, when your kids are gone, but we really wanted to do this with the kids. You know, we kind of had three dreams for them um, to be confident world travelers, to be able to speak another language. And most importantly, to realize that life wasn't suburban U.S., Mm. um, to have them realize how fortunate they were. So we decided to move in 2017 because they would both be changing schools anyway. Our daughter was going into high school at that point. Our son was going into middle school. So we had sold our house. Um, We had planned on going over there for seven years, at least, so that our son could graduate from high school there. So we sold our car. We sold all of our belongings because we were going to be renting uh, furnished houses over there, as most of the expats do. And we had found our home there. I mean, everything was just going right along. We're so excited to be finally living into this dream that we'd had for a long time, but we'd really been taking action toward for a year and a half. Um, and with doing all the follow-up, you know, get the haircut right before you go, get the <laughs> dentist appointment, do the mammogram, all the good things. And the mammogram came back positive for the first mm-hmm. time in my life that I had a breast cancer. I was so mad oh. at God. I was so mad at God. I had you know, really discerned that he was guiding us to Costa Rica. Mm. I don't know why or what for, but that Mm -hmm. he had a plan for us. And then he threw this curveball at us. Mm. Um, And I, we had struggled, you know, that healthcare is good over there, but it's not the same as it is here. Um, We really had to make this decision all over again. Um, was this the right time to move? And we had to make it within three days because they said we had sold our house, but we hadn't closed on it yet. So we had three more days until the actual closing. Um, and that was one tough weekend full of tears. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
What in the world did you even do to step into that decision together as a family? You know, my beloved sister came down um, because I think we needed a third body present who knew us and loved us mm. um, and who could be a little bit more objective um, than my husband and I. Um, yeah. You know, I was all emotion at that point. My, I, I, I kind of is the way I go through life, you know, head, <laughs> head follows the heart. Um, but I also have a strong faith and I was really feeling like this was what we were supposed to do. So I wanted to go. Um, I want, I was very confident in our ability to figure it out. Um, I didn't want stupid cancer taking away our dream. Mm. Um, my husband, God love him for so many reasons was being very practical about, you know, the type of healthcare that was available, what we'd have to do in order to get me the care that I needed. And in, in fact, I ended up coming back to the U S by myself for a lot of that care. So, um, we had to make that plan long before we expected to, um, and just all the things, you know, what would it be like for him by himself with the kids in this country that was new? Um, wow. Yeah. But ultimately, he and my sister felt it was important for me to have something to look forward to, to fight the fight that I needed to fight mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. chemo and surgery and radiation. So we went. We so pushed our yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my gosh. I love what yep. you just said. I didn't want cancer to take away our dream. Yeah. Nope. I mean, and how brave, because there was so much unknown. And I feel like when there is unknown, it is very easy for us as humans with our human brains to get stopped up in fear. Mm -hmm. And totally I totally agree. You know, your faith has to be greater than your fear. And I love that you keep, you know, referencing that you had a, a feeling that your mm -hmm. faith was actually guiding you to take this step. And that, yeah. I mean, that, part of that's it. a whole story in it, in itself, you know, for a while I was battling with, this is my dream. Am I selfish in pulling these kids away from their social systems? Mm -hmm. You know, it's such a pivotal age and God just tell me if this is your will. And he, I eventually heard, you know, I give you your dreams. I plant them in you. Yeah. This is my dream for you. So anyway, yeah, I was pretty sure that that's where we were supposed to be. I so. will. I love that you made the decision as such a unit, because I think it's so mm -hmm. important, you know, to have those, oh, that support system, everybody feeling like we are doing this. Yeah, that was really the start of Team Sullivan. I mean, we of course, the players have been in place for a long time, but Team Sullivan was got super duper tight over all of this. Um, and gosh, we could not have done it without our community. Um, I remember one of my nurse advocates saying, you're going to need to have backup people for your backup people, because this is going to be an 18 month mm. active journey of care for you. And so, um, you know, we had to get out of our house. We had to move forward with a sale. We had dear friends loan us their house. Oh my God. Um, so that we could stay in it while I and stay together while I went through chemo. Mm. Um, and then we did to make the move. And another dear family friend gave us their little townhouse for me to stay in when I came back for eight weeks for surgery and radiation. Um, we had 
dear friends doing yard sales for us. Cause as I said, we were selling everything. Yeah. So we, it wasn't just like, bring us a casserole. We had crazy, <laughs> weird needs and our, our friends just rallied. They totally rallied. Tell me I, I've experienced that. So I, I want to step into that a little bit because tell me how that was for you to be in that position of needing receiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just feel like it's a place that life, if you're not good at it, is going to bring it to you. And amen. It's a lot better when you get good at it. You know, you're giving, 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 and and exhausted from that when you learn this balance of give and receive. So I'm just so curious, how was that for you coming into this place of need? And yeah, it's humbling. It's humbling. Um, But I had a dear friend who's a priest say what a gift it is that you can ask for help I'm like oh wait I'm giving a gift she's like absolutely you know everyone around you is hurting and hurting for you and they and your family and they want to be able to do something and that you can tell them what you need is such a gift and that really helped me and freed me up a little bit I mean I know that you Kara and so many of your listeners probably are the type who normally are the ones bringing the casserole and doing the help and taking care of others. Um, and how, so we know how good that makes us feel. Mm -hmm. Um, we just need to remember that it's not putting people out and they do want to do something. Yeah. And asking for help is a gift. I love that. I feel like that could be the title and we could stop right here and we've all gained. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because I actually feel like when you're in a situation that is need way beyond the round of casseroles and you've either been there or you haven't, but when you've been there, you realize that you do feel like a burden. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know I felt like a burden. I still feel like a burden sometimes. (laughs) And I, I think that the growth curve of realizing that the need and offering the need without expectation, but just mm-hmm. knowing like, gosh, I can't do anything about this. I need this. I need mm-hmm. this help. We're here for each other. And it Absolutely. feels so good. Like that community, that connection that's actually built in that is, it's pretty astounding. It's pretty awesome. And, you know, it's, there's two little examples that I am reminded of still. I remember being up in my bed after having a round of chemo, listening to all the laughter down in my kitchen. Like, what is going on down there? And darned if it was not all the Bible study ladies huddled around my island, wrapping up all my dishware, whatever, um, and just having a, a hoot, you know, they were having a great time together too. So it was community for them. Yeah. Um, and then another time, again, lying in that damn bed, I could hear one of the gentlemen from church um, in my son's room, helping him, my son, pack up his room. And um, he's like, Nate, I see that there's a fishing rod on your wall. Do you like fishing? Well, let me tell you a story about when I was little and I Uh went fishing. And so now they have this really tight bond. And same with my daughter, you know, another dear friend from church helped my daughter pack up her room. So that's so cool. I love that. Forever memories. Absolutely. And forever bonds. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I love that. Tell me about, okay. So obviously this is a huge piece, but I, I want to hear about when you did get down 
Oh my gosh. And that kind of finding what really mattered to you and what that different way of living and being. Yeah. And how that changed. It's it's so hard to articulate it without feel like experiencing it yourself. Um, But Pura Vida is the mantra of Costa Rica. Um, And literally translated, it means pure life. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's so much more than just a saying or a marketing slogan for them. And I I wrote this at one point and I want to read it because I want to get it right. But um, it also means being thankful and not dwelling on the negative. It means no worries, no fuss, no stress. It's an emotion. It's an attitude. It's happiness. It means let your worries go. Everything will get done in due time. It means let go of the things you can't control. Enjoy the world around you. Live in the moment that is right now. Um, and it's an inherent part of the Costa Rican culture. And I want to figure out how to recreate it so I can live it every day. Oh, my gosh, Jennifer. Will you send that to me so yeah. I can put that in the show notes? Uh, Absolutely. Did you write that or was mm-hmm. that? Yeah, please yeah. send that to me because I want to actually digest that a little bit more. There's and also, a lot to unpack yeah, there. There really yeah. is. And yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. How was it living in that space? And, and yeah, Um, it was hard. It was harder than we thought, Mm. but it was also humorous and better (laughs) than we thought in a lot of ways. Um, (laughs) There's no addresses in Costa Rica. Um, There Literally, we did have a container of stuff shipped there. And the address that they put on the box said one meter up the hill from Coco Loco, which is a restaurant. I'm like, are you serious? Is this really going to find us? And granted, it took an extra month, but it did. And that's just how it works. It just works that way there. But no address means no Amazon, which means no stuff, which means no keeping up with the Joneses. I spent all my time in yoga clothes and barefoot. And it was so comforting, you know, not to have to think about it. And it was so simple. And no one really cared about how you looked or whatever. It was just delightfully simple. Yeah, simple. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a lot of waiting. Like you'd go into the bank and you'd pull a number, um, like a deli counter number. Mm-hmm. And then you sit down in this waiting room with a bunch of other people and you'd wait. And then you'd wait some more. And then you'd start to wonder if you pulled the right number because I don't know, all the whole language barrier. And at first that was really hard because, you know, we're programmed to be intentional about time and people are waiting for me. And this is, this is slowing me down, but you just had to let that go. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of got into this practice of, well, maybe again, God's telling me to slow down and let me just look for five things in this waiting room that I would have missed if I were rushing, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to pick up a new Spanish phrase, kind of eavesdropping, but not in a creepy way, just listening, Um, (laughs) you know, listening to this guy who's clearly an expat, but salty as all get out and has been here for a long time, talk to this local um, and the beautiful interaction and respect between them. Um, Watching the intergenerational relationships there was a treat. I mean, teenage boys walk down the street holding their mom's hand. And these are the things you just miss if you're rushing. Yeah. So that's something I've tried to take back when I'm waiting, when I'm forced to wait and it's not comfortable, look for five things. I love that. Oh my gosh. That's a great 
That's a great practice. Yeah. And it's funny during the pandemic, um, we came back in 2019 and obviously a couple months later, the pandemic hit us all and we were all forced to do a hard, fast stop, you know, a slowdown. And honestly, it was comforting for my family and I being, we came back, we're kind of in culture shock about all the go, 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 go again. Um, and the programming you so programmed here in the U S you know, tennis at five piano practice is six 30, you know, um, just all the things that you're supposed to do. Um, there wasn't any of that in Costa Rica. So how do you adjust um, to that? Like, I don't like <laughs> living that way. I really try to minimize that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. because I don't feel like I thrive in that programming. And yet, you know, I've got a child, <laughs> yep. you know, getting ready to be in his senior year of high school. And I mean, there's so much programming. Yeah. So what, what have you done? Like coming back from that, like, to again, bring that slowdown into this culture of living. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't mean to bash this culture because all the activities that are available for our kids are amazing, amazing. and for us. Yep. And amazing. for us too. Yep. Um, I think in order to balance them, you just have to be really intentional about what's important for you or in your family and make sure that you're not doing things consciously or subconsciously for how it'll look on Facebook, how it'll read in the Christmas letter, mm-hmm. how many accolades the kids are going to have on their college application. I mean, all that stuff is contrived. It's a lot of marketing hype. It's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses and you have to be comfortable swimming up screen, upstream and going off the script, you know, and doing what's really important for just you and your family. Yeah. I so love saying that. no, saying no to activities. I mean, and that's hard. It is. And it's the only way to an authentic life to get off that script. I know you've Mm -hmm. talked about the prescriptions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so now I'm like, that's so stupid. Who wrote the script? Who wrote the prescription? Yes. Who's telling us that you have to do all this stuff? My dear daughter came back at the beginning of her junior year of high school and people would say to her, oh, you're a junior. Where do you want to go to college? And she would look at me in panic. Like, am I supposed to have an answer to this already? I'm halfway through high school, but by the script, you are supposed to know that already. And of course you're supposed to go to college. I mean, that's just a foregone conclusion in the the way the sentence is phrased, you know, where are you going to college? Right. Um, God forbid if you're not planning on going to college, which which her younger brother is not. (laughs) And that's something that we've gotten our arms around. And I don't know that I would be in that place if it weren't for Costa Rica. You know, he is definitely swimming upstream in this suburban culture that we walked back into, but he knows what makes him happy mm. uh, and knows what doesn't and not sitting behind a desk all day or a computer all day. He has to be outside and doing things with his hands. So he's starting to be an electrician he has no intention of college. So that's perfect. It, it's perfect for him. Yeah. That's another thing I think that helped helped us get over the script. You know, there are so many different ways to do the right thing. Um, so what's right for you and yeah. what's right for your kid and screw the prescription. Yeah. 
So oh gosh, yes, screw. <laughs> okay, let's not make that the title. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good hashtag. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh, I want to take you back into a part of your story that I know became a little bit intense, which was, you know, I mean, you are healthy. Look at you now. And kind of once you got through the treatment of cancer and you were Mm -hmm. in the part that I call the aftermath of any situation, it's like you have the intensity of going through the situation and then you're kind of like, I'm putting in quotes through it, Mm -hmm. but it like really altered your life. So here you are in the aftermath. Yep. Speak me to that time for you. Yeah. Life's a darn roller coaster, that's for sure. So we 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 were there in Costa Rica. We made the dream happen. I went through the cancer treatment um, and I was feeling good. Um, but then I left my job, my profession that I'd been with for 20 years, and I realized it was my identity. Oh. I loved this company that I worked for, and I was so proud to be part of it. Um, so I, I, when I left, I didn't know who I was supposed to be anymore. Mm. Um, you know, another thing about the U.S. or that I've noticed more about the U.S. is our jobs are our identity. When you ask, you know, what's like the first part, party question you're asked, you know, what do you do? You, yeah. Yeah. Or Sorry. I'm a salesperson or I'm a lawyer or I'm a doctor. Well, no, you're not. You're, you know, an introvert or an extrovert. <laughs> um, you're not your profession. Right. And I think we kind of lose sight of that there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that threw me into a, such a deep depression, mm-hmm. which, whew, very thankful to be on the other side of that. But you just, I just felt like I was a burden and I didn't have any worth, you know? Um, it was awful. It was awful. Just the loop, you know, you hear, you get an earworm, like a song that runs through your head. It was like these negative scripts and it was constant and horrible. And what were some of the scripts for you? Oh, gosh. Thankfully, I don't remember right off the top oh, of my head. Good, good. I know. <laughs> but it was a lot about self-worth. self-worth. I have it written down. I, I journal everything, which is yeah. interesting. Um, it's it good about, to not yeah. pull it up. I'm like, that. Yeah. that's wonderful. Don't work hard on that. I, <laughs> I think the relatability of our minds running a loop of, you know, whether it's worth or... Um, Oh, connection, aloneness, yeah, uh, isolation. Oh. Like there's so many that are so common. And yeah. And why can't I get myself out of this? You yes. know, look what I just accomplished. Look what my body just accomplished. Why mm-hmm. can't I just stop thinking like this? Why can't I control this? Um, And it's fascinating because I actually think, especially going through a medical situation as you did your body had been through so much. And even mm-hmm. if you were through it, it takes recovery time for our yeah. bodies to actually fully catch up to what they've just accomplished. 
Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the road, like I'm done with treatment. Yeah. But then our bodies in that recovery period. And I think it's very common actually to experience depression during that time because yeah, it's a it lot is. of work for the body. I remember, I remember um one of my cousins who's this incredibly strong man had gone through brain cancer and he's like, look, he's fine now. He's on the other side, but he pulled me aside at a reunion. He's like, look, I got to tell you that when I finished with my treatment, I went through this terrible depression, which shocked me because I never knew that. But I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this. I mean, one of the things I really prided myself on during the move and the treatment was my grit, you know, God given grit. That was my thing. I've got God given grit. Um, I'm like, I've got it. Um, my attitude's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. And I don't know if I just needed an extra humbling or not, but (laughs) I sure did go through it. It is very common. And I don't think it's, I mean, the the doctors, I don't think they should warn you about it because I definitely believe that mind can be over matter as far as healing. And if you are anticipating the worst, you'll probably get the worst. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they should warn you about it, but I mean, I'm still a big believer that if you, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. Yes. Um, Well, depression, like anything in the body takes a certain, you know, there's a mindset piece to it, just like with anything, just like getting through cancer, just like, you know, getting through some of the recovery things that I've been through in, in my body, there's a mind piece to it, including depression. Yeah. What's tricky is when your mind is the thing that's massively affected by the dis balance or imbalance in the body, mm-hmm. the, the dysfunction of the body. And it's like, oh my gosh, my mind is the thing that is like not finding its way. And I'm trying to have mind over matter, matter being my brain. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. It's, a, it's lot. a lot. It's a lot. There were a lot of days spent in bed. I definitely overdosed on nonfiction. Um, well, was you know, that, I, do you feel like that was a COVID, like something that Helped totally. You. Yeah. What were totally. other things that you feel like you did to stabilize um, mm. that time? <laughs> I I don't know if I would call it stabilizing, but I remember being very limited in how often I went out because I was kind of embarrassed of who I was. And I, essentially, I was a new person in this community I remember thinking I've met all these amazing, fascinating women and I want them to think I'm amazing and fascinating too. Um, But I don't feel very amazing and fascinating. So I didn't go out very much Um, when in fact, that probably would have helped tremendously. Um, So I don't know that I had a solution. Honestly, what, what kind of broke me (laughs) or opened or unlocked, I call it unlocked. I, so in Costa Rica, there's a lot more alternative medicine, like breath works and sound meditation. And, um, people are just a lot more open to trying all of those things. I'm like, well, I'll try it. And I did a breath work session and I just finally cried, Mm. cried and cried and cried. And I really felt like it unlocked something in me. Mm. And, um, yeah. The breath is so powerful. It really is. It really is. I wish I understood more of the science behind why that unlocked me. But when I've talked to practitioners, they're like, oh, yeah, that totally can be a side effect of helping people get out of depression. 
Well, and it brings you into the parasympathetic nervous system so Mm. that you are, you know, you're in that calm rest digest and digest would include digesting your actual emotions instead Mm. of numb to them. So it it makes sense in that way. It also brings oxygen to your entire body. And so everything can function better. And yeah. Yeah. um, I I love what you just said, because it has to do with that identity piece about I didn't feel amazing and fascinating. And this is something that I'm always talking, you know, with, with clients about it's this whole concept of who I am versus what I do, which is the identity kind of crisis that you were talking about when what I do is gone, you're kind of left with the discovery of who I am. Now I know more about who you are (laughs) (laughs) than what you do. Although I know a little about what you do. And I, I mean, it it like hurts my heart to think there was a time when you as a human did not feel fascinating and amazing. And yet I know we all go through times like that. And it's, to me, it's part of everything you're saying, you know, the script or not keeping up with the Joneses or feeling like, like, come on. Every human is so, I mean, the stories and the things we've been through, the triumphs, the losses, Mm. the the grit, the hanging in there anyway, like that is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. We're all beautifully and wonderfully made. I don't believe that with my whole heart. Um, But as you said, it's when the, it's the brain that helps you understand that logically, that's not feeling well, logic goes out the window. It does. And it's like, it's such a sad space to, I mean, I've been there and I mean, I think so many people have been there when we lose track of uh, acceptance. Like, I guess part of it is even an acceptance in where I am right now in the journey. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm not at a mountaintop or shining and, and yet I could still walk into a room and bring love. And yeah. you know, connect with someone, you know, in just a heart to heart moment and, you know, bring goodness and, you know, that it it's not always about like being whatever, but just, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, those amazing and fascinating women that I speak of um, that I wanted to make sure that they thought I was amazing and fascinating too. They're some of my dearest friends and now, and we don't, and one's my business partner, you know? So clearly God was still letting the amazing and fascinating shine through, even though I didn't feel it. And we're about to go visit one in Costa, in Portugal. So we've kept, these are people I've kept in touch with. And I don't know, maybe it was the vulnerability that made the bonds deeper. Of course, I don't know, but you know, we were only there for two years. And we formed some of the deepest friendships that we we've had, you know, and it was just like, there weren't all the accolades. Like when you're talking about it, like you were person to person. Yeah. 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 Just just doing the life. And I think you can go deeper when everything else isn't in the way. And I, I totally agree. I think that one of the benefits of travel is that you're, experiencing the different cultures and things done in a different way. And I kind of view the expat community as a culture. 
you didn't talk about what do you do professionally. It just wasn't the question that was asked at the table. It was, you know, what brought you here? Mm. Or what are you hoping for here? Mm. Um, and you automatically or right away got into deeper, more, more meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because when we left, uh, you know, there, there were some people I'm like, what exactly does Kevin do for his job? You know, it, we spent two years with these people and you're each other's family because you don't have family right there mm-hmm. and you're taking care of each other's kids. And of course I'll drive them to whatever practice. And of course they can spend the weekend with us. You're each other's people, but I didn't know what their jobs were. Yeah, that's really neat. You referred to the, is it expat community? Yeah, expatriate. So when you're, when you're living in a different country, you're considered an expat or an expatriate. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard that term except for you. And I I clarify what that was. Obviously I've never lived in another country. Yeah. (laughs) One day I hope I get that. Yeah. For sure. Totally recommend doing it. I mean, what, I mean, I could go on and on about the lessons I learned about being the minority. Yeah. And the day I was stopped by the police, I'm like, oh, I am screwed, you know, because I don't, I mean, do I speak Spanish or do I not speak Spanish? Do I look them in the eye? Because as a woman that can be conceived as disrespectful or do I not, you know, I was just so many, so many lessons about being the minority. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, is this how minorities in the U S feel every day? I can't, I couldn't imagine living like that. Yeah. But anyway, all different lens of perspective. Absolutely. And that's part of why we wanted to do it. Yeah. I want to bounce back. Um, yeah. and you, we've hit on, you know, kind of a couple of different moments in your journey that you could bounce back to. So we could bounce back to when you were going through your journey with breast cancer, we could bounce back to, you know, this time of depression. I love asking people just to empower my listeners, like what were things that people said or did or how they showed up that were really helpful and, and just like, wow this, this really supported me. I mean, I've told those stories about people doing all the nitty gritty of packing us and how humbling at one point we had meal trains, you know, meal signups going in two different countries, you know, a list of people taking me meals in the U S and a list of people taking my family meals in the, in Costa Rica. And that was after we'd been there for a week. Um, see a need, fill a need. You know, if you see somebody, and that can't drive, offer to drive them and be sincere about it. I mean, a lot of people will deflect it and say, no, I don't need that. Um, but that's just pride, you know, mm-hmm. just be the, be the person who shows up and says, okay, where do you want to go today? Or take them a meal that they can stick in their freezer if it's not helpful tonight. I don't know. You know, that reminds me of, I have a, you know, that I've been in a situation post accident with a brain injury and haven't been able to drive for five years. And I've had a few I mean, I've had a team of angels mm-hmm. <laughs> taking me yeah. around where I need to go, but I have this one friend and she is a major pinch hitter for me. And I feel like not only does she try to say yes, whenever she can, like if I ask her, she makes me feel like it is the greatest joy of her life, you know, to show up. And I told her that one time I said, listen, I just it it's pretty astounding the way you just make me feel like I just made your day by asking this. And she said that her dad used to say, 
Michelle is her name. Michelle, you can pretend to care, but you can't pretend to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, and she lives that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, what you're saying, keep knocking on the door. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to help someone who probably doesn't even know what they need, just Mm -hmm. keep showing up. Yep. Yep. How about when you were in that time of depression and especially think, you know, cause some, I mean, well-meaning, we mm-hmm. all can sometimes say really dumb things. We've yeah. all been in those circumstances when someone says something and it makes us feel 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are things that people might've said that were actually really encouraging or helpful during that time? I'm thinking about my closest family. Cause I, I hit it. And it's easy to hide stuff like that when you're in a foreign country. Um, my husband just kept doing all the things that needed to be done, you know, making the meals, taking the kids to school. He just did it all with patience. And I know it was hard on him. I know he wanted his wife to get out of bed. Um, and my sister would just keep calling and checking on me. How you doing? Try to keep some normalcy. You know, let's talk about my boys, you know, her, her kids, you know, my nephews, you know, let's, you know, keep kept me plugged into the rest of the world. So and coming out of that, like from where you sit now, because obviously after you've been through something, it kind of empowers you to yeah. reach out in a different way. Let's say you had a friend who was going through something like that. Mm-hmm. How would it change the way you might step in with them? I think you, if you just say I've been in your shoes or I've, I I know what it feels like, you know, I've been there Um, because it gives them some permission, I think, to be more relaxed, to not try to have to have it all together. Um, Yeah, I think, I mean, as far as the cancer thing, I do say, I think the reason God not gave me cancer, but I think one of the purposes of it was to be more sympathetic toward cancer patients and be an advocate for them. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to be physically sick than it is to be mentally sick. I hate that there's still a stigma around mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that eventually with Encore, we'll talk a lot more about. Um, but as far as how I approach people who are struggling now, just tell them I'm, I've been there. I understand. Um, you can tell me the, the bad stuff. You can tell me the good stuff. If you yeah. want to just go for a walk and not talk, we can do that too. I love that. Just come yeah. as you are. Be mm-hmm. here. I'll be yep. with you. Yeah. Yep. That is yep. very good. And, and so powerful. Yeah. I mean, all the good, all the well-intentioned things that people say is like, it'll get better. It will. But in that time, you don't know that. And that doesn't always feel good. It's Mm-mm. like the the true, not helpful filter, yeah. I think is yeah. how like, you know, sometimes it, sometimes it does help to hear, like, it won't always be like this, mm-hmm. but it's also really important that I'm okay with you being here and I'm going to be here with you, you know, yep. um, there's a balance for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, thank you so much. This of course. Been- so amazing. I love your story. I love you. Thanks. I just think you're so fabulous. It's very I'm so mutual. glad I get to know you. <laughs> Likewise. Um, you're doing important work. You're doing you. important work. Yeah. Thank you. 
So I want to give you a little spotlight. Um, if there's anything you want to share uh, about how people can reach you, what kind of work you're doing. We didn't really talk much about Jay Sullivan Advisors. If you want to yeah. talk a little bit about that. We did talk about Encore Retreats, but if there's anything else you want to say, just kind of in closing about either of those two. Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Jay Sullivan Advisors spun directly out of my experience in the hotel industry. Um, service is a privilege to me. I love helping people create meaningful experiences through travel because um, I'm kind of addicted to it. But um, so with Jay Sullivan, I help other companies or associations or small private groups plan meetings and incentive trips. Um, pretty straightforward meeting planning. I have a team that works with me. Um, to help put together experiences um, from start to finish, or if companies have created their meeting and just need extra hands on deck during the extra program, actual program, we do that too. We show up for staffing. Um, and they're all really highly trained hospitality professionals. Anticipatory service is a huge value for us so that you don't have to ask us to do it. We are trained in seeing what people need and delivering it before it's even requested. Um, and then Encore Retreats, as I said, is the byproduct of a relationship I made in Costa Rica with an amazing woman named Lisa Waltuck, who is our content creator. Um, she is a coach as well, um, helping men and women uh, figure out what's next, um, what gives them excitement and passion and how they can turn that into ways to either be of service through volunteerism or their profession if they're still needing to work. Um, we do monthly community conversations. Um, so I just say, keep an eye out on our website for what those are. Um, and then we, where we, for those, we bring in uh, guest speakers. Like we've recently had a woman known as Nicole, the sex professor. She teaches the number one, uh, undergraduate class at the university of Washington on, um, normalizing the conversations around sex with college age students. And she's just doing a great service. We've had people talk about um, relationships with your maturing children and how to bring them back into the home gracefully after they, when they come home from college and stuff like that. So just, and then we just had a dermatologist on, you know, talking about skincare. So just helpful conversations. Yeah, um, love it. And then our signature um, offering our experiential retreats where we take people away either domestic or international and give them the opportunity to experience new cultures like Lisa and I did. Um, but then also incorporate some really thought provoking conversations and build community, um, on the retreats as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. You guys are doing such good stuff Thanks. in this world. Thank you so much for yeah. here with me today and of just giving us a little window into your world. Appreciate thanks. you. Yeah. Thanks for giving me the opportunity and for stepping in. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Take care, my dear. All right. Take care. Thanks for stepping in with us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Join our newsletter and share us with your friends. As always, know that you are loved.